I finished everything. Three slices of bread, two buns, a croissant, two jams, mustard, three little things of butter, and more cold slices than I can count, and a soft boiled egg because why not? Cured meats and two cheeses, leek soup, four slices of toast. I went home. I went to bed again. I, I yeah, I, no. I understand. It's a special day, you know. It's nine eleven, you know. <laughs> you yeah. <laughs> It requires uh, a bit of celebration. <laughs> oh my god! Hey, Never forget myself. <laughs> yeah. Never forget. Never forget. At least, and, and you know, except when you eat so much food that you pass out. Then I guess while you're passed out, you forget. Yeah. But other than that, never forget. <laughs> What was that? Oh a my joke? goodness! What was the joke said? Knock knock. Uh, who's there? Nine eleven. 9/11. Who? You said you would never forget. <laughs> ah, fuck. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Shit. Uh, oh, wow. I bet it was great. Yeah. You. It's still. It's, did you have lunch? By the way, after that? No. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah. By the way, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Today is our 9/11 special. <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. Ah, jeez. Hey, look! Every motherfucker in Hollywood is making money off the backs of those people who got crushed under the rubbles. Okay. Yeah. How many? True. How many 9/11 movies have you seen till this point? I saw a Charlie Sheen 9/11 movie. Really? Yeah, it's a 9/11 conspiracy theory movie where it's about the people who got trapped in the elevator. It is the. Yeah. It is so bad. That it's horrible. Uh-huh. Like it's not the so bad that it's good. It's so yeah. bad, but it thinks it's good, which makes it very bad. Oh, I see. So it's not even Tommy Wiseau's sort of lovably bad. No, it's no. It's a Whoopi oh, Goldberg, Charlie Sheen, a cheap production because they're all in the elevator, and it's not. Uh, by yeah. way, it's not Charlie Sheen. A good like. Uh, still relatively sane, Charlie Sheen. This is post two and a half man, cooked up, fueled oh, no. up. Oh. Dude thinks he's winning. Oh my! What is Whoopi Goldberg doing there? Did this lady win an Oscar? I was genuinely like, surprised looking at it. I was like, wait, Whoopi Goldberg? Which members of her family did you have to kidnap and threaten the lives of to get her on this movie? Like for I, real, seriously. I don't know. I think it's because, like, maybe she also had uh, some uh, reservations about 9/11. Possibly because it doesn't make any sense. The movie is called 9/11, by the way. It's a 2017 9/11 movie. Got 4.3 on IMDb and 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. 11%, which is 11% too much. <laughs> oh my god! It's, There is. Oh, I don't know what, what's the worst thing that happened to America, 9/11 or this movie. <laughs> I think the worst thing that happened to America wasn't 9/11, but all of the stuff that came after that they persuaded themselves would be retribution for 9/11. Yeah, because I think at this point they might have lost more lives sending soldiers. And airmen and marines and sailors abroad to fight terror, quote unquote, than they lost in 9/11. At this point, like diminishing returns is not a thing 
that the American government takes into consideration when pursuing political agendas, I don't think. I'm pretty sure they've lost more American people in the war of terror than they have in 9-11. They've lost more American both directly as a part of like just sending the troops and considering every year they bitch about bitch about having uh, not having a health care. Imagine the money they spent on that. On all yeah. the endeavor in Afghanistan, Pakistan, the uh, Iraq war, the yeah. entire fucking Middle East, it's trillions of dollars spent on, I mean, they did get what they wanted out of it. Like the people who were behind the curtain, Dick Cheney and shit, but yeah. But aside from that, I don't think they really, the, the, the people themselves got hurt. I, the politicians are fine. Yeah, no, politicians and contractors are always fine. Ordinary people will get hurt in the middle. Yeah, it's, uh, that's how it always goes, isn't it? Yeah. I was, There's an agenda. Yeah. Yeah, I was seven years old when I, I remember distinctly seeing it on Iran News. We were watching oh. it. Yeah. Like you were watching it on Iran news, if I'm not mistaken. And I couldn't understand right. it at the time. I was like, like, what is that a movie? Then I realized, oh, it's really happening. Jeez. Uh, uh, did... Yeah, my, my parents were crying a little bit. I was like, shit, what's happening? How did you feel at the time? I, I was a kid. I couldn't get, I, I wasn't having a 100% understanding of the magnitude of it. But I remember... I remember this, I just was, I was first shocked because seeing my dad cry a bit and my mom mm -hmm. cry and not cry, but actually the both were kind of was sobbing because yeah. it was just shocking. But that, so my seven-year-old brain was going like, is this a movie? Then I realized it's actual news and mm -hmm. I just kept watching it. But for some reason, looking back at it, hope I'm not projecting, but I had this like an unease feeling because I didn't have an emotional attachment. Like I wasn't crying like they were. Mm. But I was looking at it like, oh, I feel like this isn't this isn't going to end well. This is mm. even my 70 year old brain was picking up on. There's a there's going to be some major ramification. And I remember the day that the fucking war started with Iraq and the toppling. Of, right. Yeah, then I remember I was like going like, ah, okay, that's connected directly to what's happening now. I see. Yeah, I remember waking up in the morning and hearing about the American troops and everything. I was going like, oh, fuck, it happened. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Where, where were you? How were how, you? You were older, of course. So. So I was seventeen years old. It's complicated. I was seventeen years old. I had just finished high school and it was going to be a very long holiday because tests were done. School was done. I got to hang out with my best friend at the time. We had just made a, a new friend from Canada, a dude by the name of Matt Campbell, who had since gone on to be like a, a filmmaker and a stunt, stunt coordinator, stunt man. Um, and he was from British Columbia. He was a cool kid really hyperactive. He was constantly doing stunts all over the place. So when 9-11 happened, I was sitting in what would eventually become my bedroom, but that's where the family TV was at the time. We were always shifting around where our rooms would be in the house. 
So at the time, that's where the, the family TV was. And I was sitting on the, on the couch and just flipping through. And I thought to myself, oh, crap, that is, that is bad. That is really, really bad. That is horrible. People are going, lots of people are going to die. You know, and the thing about New York specifically, you may not like American politics. You may not like America as a concept if you have, if you have um, problems with their politics, especially as somebody who may suffer from their politics, whether directly or indirectly, their geopolitics. But you have a certain soft spot for New York specifically. Yeah. Because your formative years was were always filled with references to New York, whether it was Friends, whether it was Sesame Street, whether it was every single Marvel superhero was from New York. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you look at New York and you think to yourself, I don't know much about the rest of America. Um, Los Angeles looks way too plastic and glitzy. Um, Texas feels way too cowboy for me, yeah. way too insular. Uh, the rest of it seems either too hot or too cold. I don't know enough about America, but I always knew about New York. And I always thought that New York feels like a place, if I moved to America, New York would be a place that I could, I could blend in. Right. And it was where all the culture of your childhood and your adolescence and your adulthood came from. Yeah. So it was sad to see that happen to New York specifically. So I was upset over the whole fact that it happened. Um, and then immediately afterwards, I realized, oh, God, let this not be Muslim terrorists. Yeah, and then it was Muslim terrorists because yeah. we already saw they they tried back in '93, right? And now they finally succeeded, and it's like, I in my head I'm like, oh fuck, what did you do? What did you do? What did you drag the rest of us into? Was it odd that my seven years old, I already when the when it was happening, I already had an inkling that it's Muslim terrorism? Oh yeah, yeah, because it was happening everywhere. Yeah, I was but it was like, also the probably Muslims. Yeah, no, but it was terrorism that in in hindsight it seemed like the only terrorism that seemed to be highlighted in the media. You had terrorism by the IRA, you had terrorism by South Americans, you had terrorism in Sri Lanka. Um you had bombings all around the world. There was wars going off in the Balkans. But it was always The one that Muslims that were depicted as terrorists, yeah. Like whether it was the hotshot movies or whether it was, you know, the Iran, lethal the weapon. Iraq war. Yeah, lethal weapon. Yeah. So always Muslims were the terrorists. We're like, we find, we get it, you know, because once in a once in a blue moon it happens, right? And it's less easy to empathize with a terrorist that looks different and sounds different from you than if the terrorist was was from a European country yeah. or if it was domestic. Like Timothy McVeigh was not, not seen as representative of America, 
even though later on you find out that he had links to white supremacists, he had links to to um, certain white nationalist uh, threads of thought, even though he didn't really like neo-Nazis, he was a war veteran. Timothy McVeigh, for instance, was never representative of that. And then before that, Ted Kaczynski was never representative of the intelligentsia or of or of um, the rest of America where, in the region where he came from. He was never representative of people from the university or geniuses or whatever. You know, all of these other people who did heinous acts for ideological reasons were not used to represent the people that they were a part of. But Muslims don't have that luxury of objectivity. You know, when one of us does something, we all get the blame. Yeah. Even though, yeah, even though it's like, what the fuck makes you think these people would listen to us? Right? I can't even get members of my family to take a vaccine. And you want me to go out and persuade terrorists not to do terrorist shit. Like, they don't even listen to me anyway. Not even my own family members. Some of my friends don't listen to me. I can't get a word in sideways during conversations at a mama table sometimes, but no, hold us all responsible for not putting in a good word about peace, love, and harmony to a dude who clearly has a background that is completely different from me and a mindset and an ideology completely different from me who will never listen to me not in a million years. Yeah, hold me responsible, whatever. So I knew at that point that after the towers went down, at the age of 17, I'm not old enough to even be an adult. I just made friends with a white dude from Canada. And my best friend is an evangelical Christian. But despite having all of these connections, I am going to be a geopolitical pariah for life. I may never get to leave my own country for fear of they're not going to let me out. It wouldn't be until, I don't know, 10 years till I could finally leave when everything quieted down. When the war on terror got so bad that the citizens of those countries that were doing terrible things on behalf of the war on terror had to call out their own governments on what they were doing wrong. And, um, you know, it became awkward. It became weird. And I think I responded poorly as well. Like, I remember being in the car and my friend's mom was there. And because of my accent, she never thought of me as foreign or alien, even though, even though my face was brown or whatever. And it's obvious that my name is Arabic, but they never, it, it never clicked. Until one day I'm in the car, this dude's mom is in the front. She's a white lady from Canada. And the conversation came up about where we're going to eat. And I asked, do they serve pork there? Because I don't do the pork. And it's like, why don't you do the pork? Are you like a Muslim or something? I'm like, yeah, I thought you knew. And the whole car went completely oh. silent. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. The tension, you could cut it with a knife. It was uncomfortable. <laughs> 
I didn't respond to it well because the next thing I know, I'm going to play Counter-Strike with my friends and I now am in the terrorist side. I'm the Muslim boy playing the terrorist side in Counter-Strike. I type in my name as Osama bin Laden because I'm like, you know what? If the whole world's going to have me be a fucking yeah. terrorist, might as well lean I'm into going it. To be, yeah, <laughs> might as well lead into it. Be the worst terrorist you could possibly imagine and then you will regret pigeonholing me for being something I didn't want to be, you know? I might as well be really good at it. I yeah. could hear my friend in the back, like, who called himself Osama bin Laden? Who, could, who the fuck called himself Osama bin Laden? <laughs> Just asking around. I'm like, fuck, I better change my name. Because I didn't want to offend him. Because he had friends in New York. And God I realized... It. And I realized, you could be 10,000 miles away. Hey. And you can feel how the world changes right down to its fabric and it, how it changes you and how you retaliate against the world because of, you, because of how you think other people are going to see you. And I think that for people much closer to how, where 9-11 happened and those people who had to suffer through the war on terror, the way how countries respond to acts of terror can, can, can inadvertently create more terrorists. And I think to some degree, maybe, maybe that's what some of them want, for us to actually become the terrorists that, we, that they already think we are because we've given up hope, right? They already assume a terrorist, we're gonna be terrorists, and that's exactly what the other side wants because now they have a legitimate reason to kill us. It officially made existence as a Muslim basically insanely difficult. Not only that, it's just made it like a disgrace almost to be a Muslim. Because the second yeah. you say it to anyone that you're a Muslim, except if the other person is a Muslim, I mean, that already that in itself has its own bag of tricks that you have to deal with. Somebody would ask, like, what, what branch of Islam are you from? Then, but yeah. I mean, we're already freaking divided from from the ground up. But even that, it already made it even more difficult because the second you say you're Muslim, people change their behavior slightly towards you. I mean, it used to be worse like up till 10 years ago, but yeah, I feel like now, now, it's, now people don't give a shit. Like Trump came, a lot of shit happened. People are pretty much desensitized to uh, Muslim in general. I'm sure in yeah. Europe, of course in Europe, as much as I'm getting news from it, it's it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Oh yeah, the uh, my friend in the, went to uh, who's a Syrian actually went to mm. my friend's friend actually went to a border city in Germany to go mm. to Holland and uh, ordered went to a restaurant to order food and the restaurant owner was like, "Get the fuck out! I'm not I'm not serving you." And a car pulled up and said, "You better." told everyone like told them basically like you better pack up and leave this town right now or you will suffer the consequences so that is that bad it's like sunset yeah. towns in 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 rural america bad it's a rural america bad yeah it's like it's exactly like redneck bad so i'm sure it's not as bad as rednecks because rednecks will shoot you yeah. <laughs> without even without even saying anything to you but it has that mentality like berlin is still relatively uh civil uh, yeah so, um i forgot the capital of warsaw is basically warsaw 
yeah warsaw is already is still relatively civil but europe in general whatever i'm really really hearing about right now is that it's incredibly of course there's refugees and i there's if i open that conversation there's just so many aspects to it some of us don't assimilate well we some some muslims do not some refugees do not know that they're guests and they insult you insult the other insult the host's country and causes a lot right. of trouble but in general there is this there is as much as i'm sure the bad people are one third of what's happening but they stick out like a sore thumb so everybody has to suffer yeah and so europe in already has got got back to that point uh but even like as i say as like 10 years ago it's like as an iranian because one thing was like very clear from the get-go was already known but it was not investigated was the fact that uh, all the terrorists were already trained and funded by Saudi Arabia. Yeah, everybody knew that. Yeah, everybody knew that. Everybody knew that the Saudi Arabia had a hand in it. Uh, mm. Obama wanted to release the documents four years ago regarding yeah. Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabia threatened that they would uh, pretty much block all the funding and stocks that they have and they would just pull everything out of America if the America yeah. to go down that route basically yeah. threatening America and they didn't do that which now uh, Biden wants to release it and Saudi Arabia somehow suddenly is all right with doing that which kind of gives me the sense that okay something has changed there is some forgery going on because why the sudden shift in tone if you're basically, I'm gonna what sorry you you were gonna say no no okay share your thought I'm I'm going to guess it's a couple of things. Number one, Mohammed bin Salman is now in power. He might try and use the document to implicate his predecessors to solidify his power. That might be one thing. That's very smart. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to be seen as relatively progressive in your own country, you do these piecemeal little things, get, allowing women to drive, cooperating with the international community when it comes to investigating terrorists, making peace with Israel, yada, 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 all of this good stuff. Never mind if your people are still suffering. Never mind if you're implicated in atrocities in Yemen. Never mind if you turn Khashoggi into a kebab in your, in your, uh, in your embassy, oven, in your whatever. House. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. So long as you play nice with the international community, you get a lot of mileage at this point because nobody expects Saudi Arabia to play nice. No, they buy their way out of stuff all the time, right? And ordinary people never get a never get a cut. Ordinary the employment rate is astronomical, which is the, probably the reason why a lot of people were willing to be terrorists in the first place. Because what the hell else do you have to live for? Yeah. <sighs> so Biden is going to release the documents, whatever. Um, good, I guess. Not that it makes a difference anymore because the world has moved on so much that 9-11 is, while not exactly a footnote, has become far removed from how the world is right now. Yeah. It's People kind of ironic. Like, uh, get over it, okay. 
It's a little bit, I guess. It's not that I want to tell Americans to get over it. Or, you know, specifically, I would never tell people in New York to get over it. But yeah, but the feeling but, is that the general global yeah. feeling is like, yeah, all right, okay. But as a but as a Muslim, you you understand that so many more of us have died since then because of your desperate need to Clint Eastwood yourself across the world. At yeah. which point you're like, where's the moral high ground in what you do anymore? Like, how, how do you expect the rest of the world to weep with you after you have abused your moral high ground to the point where you don't have it anymore? Who, who should bother to care anymore? You have taken more lives than have been taken away from you countless times over. We're, we're, we're out of tears for you. The, nobody really cares about them. Look, the way, especially since they treated Afghanistan was already problematic in, in of itself because people were like, okay, we'll see. Okay, we, we, we got what you did. You're, yeah. you're done with it. You pulled out. I mean, of course, being in Afghanistan, I, I'm pretty sure even they, after a while, it, Afghanistan is their modern Vietnam, basically. Yeah. They were in a battle that they could not win. Yeah. Uh, and they just left things worse than they were in the in the in the first place. And before we move on from the subject, as farther away from the subject, one thing that pissed me off, and I was mentioning about Saudi Arabia, is that Iran still got the blame for it. Iran is that's that's Iran, the part I don't get. Iran is still paying. Uh, like there was, I was hearing about court for the 9/11 survivors who the court would allow people to take money that was blocked, Iranian money that's blocked in the in America uh, as a, as part of the, what's it called? Uh, compensation. So, yeah. they would take, so they would take money from Iran, Iran bank accounts to give to the 9-11 survivors. And the whole time I'm thinking like, but there were Saudi Arabia. Like, yeah. why did you, I mean, I, we know why they attacked Iraq, okay? Good yeah. oil, they got all the oil they wanted. They got rid of Saddam Hussein, even though his days was fucking numbered. But again, Saddam, Saddam Hussein could have really, nobody could have really managed Iraq the way Saddam did. Look at it since then. Yeah. As brutal as he was, but it seems like the only person who could manage uh, a nation like that, which is consisted of Iraqis and Iraqis mentality. I don't know what it is, but they're still in a bit of a mixed tribal, mixed modern civilization state. They, they're not a hundred percent civilized Western, whatever city state. They're still in a ancient times. So only Saddam could really do it as evil as he was. Yeah. I feel and, like, yeah, I, f I feel like yanking Iran into this was really bizarre. It's almost as if they can't tell the difference. With Iraq, it's, it's weird because Iraq, like uh, Saddam, like Osama was basically a monster of America's own making. He was propped up. He was aided by America to, to push away Iran. And yeah. even that was because, I don't know, I think it's because Iran was seen as a threat to Israel. Th that was that whole thing. 
September 11 happened, September 12th, advisors in the White House were already egging on George Bush to invade Iraq. I, 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 I have no clue what that. And they were only doing it because Iraq attacked Kuwait. Yeah. Because oil, oil interest. That's, that's, that's essentially what it is. So I get, I, I don't understand Iraq, but I don't understand why they conflated Iraq with the war of terror. It was deeply unnecessary, but whatever. Uh, public support was all out for war. They figured they might as well use it while they had it. Uh, and there was money to be made. There was money to be made. That's the reason why. I think it's partly due to capitalism and partly due to, I don't, I was, I have a, I had a podcast with an ex, with an ex US soldier. Yeah. A while ago who could speak Farsi. Very nice dude. Yeah. And I was asking, I was like, okay, what is the end game here exactly? Can you tell me what the fuck was the thing that you're, that America is really chasing in Middle East? Yeah. And he said, I don't think even they know it. I don't, I don't think they know it either. They just like got into this domino of like, okay, like, uh, we got some missiles. Want to go shoot some Arabs? Yeah. That that. that sounds like it. Because I was reading on the news before, because I was reading on the news that this came out from Sweden. This is on WikiLeaks. That Sweden wanted to send a letter to go into Afghanistan for the war. Yeah. Uh, send some of his fighter jets, which is, I don't know what was the name, Grippens. for a test flight to yeah. shoot some Afghanis, to basically kill some Afghanis and to see how it would be. And because it would help with the marketability of the product. Oh, oh it's yeah. called JAS. You guys can check this out on WikiLeaks. It's called JAS Gripen, Gripen Fighters. Sweden's yeah, armed forces has publicly suggested sending JAS Gripen fighter aircraft to Afghanistan. Swedish I'm, military. I'm, what? I'm very familiar with the Gripen. It's you're familiar it's, with Gripen. I'm very familiar with the Gripen. How so? Because I am a machine nerd. So the Gripen is a small single seat fighter. Uses one of the engines that would otherwise be in pairs in an F-18 Hornet, right? It is very, it's very small, very agile, very rugged, very technologically advanced for its size. Um, in my opinion, one of the best light fighters out there. But the problem is, is that it can't get any buyers. There was deals with India that fell through. Uh, Malaysia considered some, but they were probably too expensive. Um, for all of its, for all of its merits. Saab couldn't get a buyer. So I think this was their desperate ploy to demonstrate the marketability of the grip into the world and show people that this thing was actually useful. That exactly what they say, exactly the term is used in the, in the letter in WikiLeaks, arguing that possible combat experience would be good for the Air Force and enhance the market, marketability of the Gripen. Yeah. It's how many uh, of it? Weird. How many of it do you think it'll take to take down the building? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> it's Afghanistan. You need a Cessna and a bag of dynamite. Yeah, that's all you need. There's nothing there. I can't remember who made the joke, but it's like 
but the the joke of bombing Afghanistan essentially amounts to one of the villagers waking up and going, uh, Mahmoud, they bombed us last night and they moved the rock that was on the left side and now it is on the right. <laughs> that is inconvenient. Now, how shall I get my goats out to herd? That's, that's fundamentally it. That's all you will achieve. It doesn't require, you don't need advanced fighter jets in Afghanistan. You no. really, really don't. What you need are slow moving planes with good fuel economy that can linger around the area. Your, um, your reconnaissance planes, your light planes. A Gribbon is in the right step, but it's a supersonic jet fighter. You don't need supersonic jet fighters to fight people who use the terrain to their advantage. That was the same mistake they did in, a, in Vietnam. They had supersonic fighters as well, but you don't have that level of engagement in Afghanistan. This is overkill. Yeah. A lot of money was wasted on overkill rather than building hearts and minds. But, you know, that's a thing that, weirdly enough, the British were better at than the Americans because they actually had a game plan when we had communist insurgencies here. They didn't have that sort of thing in Afghanistan because the Americans were more concerned with Actually, you know what? I don't actually know what the Americans were concerned about because even their top ranking of officers who were retired would later go on on record as saying nobody knew what the hell we, uh, we were supposed to be doing there because none of this was, was delegated to other parts of the American government. Everything went through the Department of Defense, which was ill-equipped for nation building. Yeah. You can't build a nation through the Department of Defense. They are not equipped to do that. You need the Secretary of State. You need the the Foreign Secretary or whatever, the equivalent of the of a Foreign Ministry, right? In a in a Commonwealth country, you need help. You need international help from multiple sources. There is a there is a very long video on a channel on YouTube called Some More News going into very deep detail as to what was going on and the millions that was wasted on programs, particularly for women and children that were eventually just left to, to, to fall apart because yeah. there, there was no follow through. There was a look, there was, there was there, a he, lot. Of, there is this, do you know the George Bush access of evil speech? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's the speech that he actually mentions Iran as one of the axes of evil. Yeah. Next to Korea, South, North, North Korea, and I forgot the other one, Iraq. Can you hear me? In, yeah, I can hear you just fine. Okay. So yeah. one, one of the things that was mentioned in, the, in this video was the uh, a report by the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction. Yeah. And it is a very long 140-page document detailing all of the things that went wrong yeah. with trying to re rebuild Afghanistan. I highly recommend anybody who wants to know what went wrong to read it because it is a fucking trip. Um, you read the whole thing? All of it. 
I've gone through it uh, here and there. It is, oh, geez. Look, oh, here's geez. the thing that I got from uh, Afghanistan. Yeah. And here's the thing I understood. This is to tie it up to the axis of evil speech. Mm. And basically tying it up to what is the general uh, goal I feel by America regarding Middle East. Yeah. And that is that let's keep the region as chaotic and unstable as possible under any circumstances. To what end? I, that I do not understand, but I, I feel uh, because the amount of resources that the Middle East, all of Middle East has, especially Iran, yeah. especially Afghanistan, like the minerals that it has, the yeah. oil and gas that it contains, the amount of resources it has, it can actually become a superpower in a, in overnight if it's stable. That was what's happening was dur- during the Shah's era. There was like, he was playing with the price of oil and they were like, well, fuck it. I, I don't want that. Iran was the second uh, yeah. ranked number second in production of steel. So right. that's what I think that, that their entire goal is. And because you know the axis of evil speech, America was allowed to use Iran's air air airspace during the war yeah. with Taliban to actually bomb yeah. Taliban. The person yeah. who was actually propagating this, a person who was actually pushing this idea forward, uh, was none other than Qasem Soleimani. Oh. Qasem Soleimani was an individual. He ha- like he was the individual who was actually during that time telling the telling the government and actually managed to convince their government, convince the, the regime to be like, all right, look, there is potential here for some collaboration. There's potential here for work, common work between us. Let's open some communication. And somehow it managed to convince everybody. And uh, I don't, one of the secretaries of U.S. secretaries goes to, I think, Iraq and meets with uh, an emissary, basically, from Qasem Soleimani, where the emissary provides him. And he himself, the, secretary's, the secretary says it. He said he provided me a map of Afghanistan with points marked in it and said, these are the heads of Taliban. You take these out, Taliban is gone tomorrow. Right. And you can use the airspace. And the guy was like, can I use this? Can I take this map, take a picture of this map? He's like, as a matter of fact, this map is for you. You can use this. And they were like, wow, really? So there was tremendous amount of cooperation being, cooperation being uh, established between Qasem Soleimani, Iran, military, and the Americans. Mm-hmm. And the secretary was very static about this because there was some tremendous potential about that. And Iran was actually surpri- supplying Ahmad Shah Massoud, who in Panjshir, who basically was kicking Taliban's ass at the time, with weapons, a lot of weapons, uh, which really helped out the, the resistance against the Taliban. And then suddenly George Bush came out of nowhere and said, Iran is an axis of evil. Flipped everything on its head. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody, every, and there's like documents that everybody were telling him, dude, you shouldn't say this. This is not this route that you want to go down. This is not the route you want to go down. This is fan, this is a fantastic opportunity you're going to miss. You're ruining this. And he persists as like, oh, access of evil is great. I'm going to go with that. And he does that. The deal is off. And the region is still tremendously unstable and fucked up. So that's, I feel like there, there is like an internal resistance towards any sort of cooperation or a strive for st- stability in the region. And all of it happened since 9-11, which now look where we are. Like, like mm-hmm. 9-11 was basically America being like, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm coming in. If I feel like you're somewhat against me, I'm going to come in, like it or not. I mean, it goes even deeper than that. During Trump's administration, deals were struck to release Taliban prisoners who would eventually become part of the leadership. 10,000 Taliban. Taliban prisoners. I heard 5,000. I heard 10. There's a lot of conflicting facts here. But the point is, it's very, very possible that the, the strength of the Taliban was exacerbated by an incredibly short-sighted move on behalf of the Trump administration to release Taliban prisoners from Afghanistan for whatever fucking reason. They thought this was a good idea. I believe partly his short-sightedness was due to the fact that he was like, oh, this, I'll be the president. This will be my legacy. I'll be the president who would... The same reason he went and shook hands with Kim Jong-un. Yeah. He thinks that he can make friends with... But aside from that, the real people who were like pulling the strings, like the case of Bush during his administration, which was like basically Dick Cheney was the president, not him. Uh, was that Mike Pompeo and Mike Pence, all of these guys were the, I feel like the one that were really, and John Bolton was the people who were pushing these sorts of ideas forward. John Bolton, that walrus-faced fuck. Uh, Yeah. That, they're individuals, like I remember looking at Mike Pompeo's face and I think like, this guy is either a sadist or a pedophile because he looks like <laughs> that. He has that very interesting look in his eyes. And when he speaks, his mouth only moves. His face is expressionless. His mouth oh, is I the only know. thing that moves is the muscles around his face is not moving in any shape or form. I don't know. I think that's just, that's, that's just, just my uh, hatred. That's just my hatred. There's probably that and also, um, I don't know, a tendency for conservative white American politicians to want to appear more dignified than they actually are. So they try and be as stiff-faced as possible. I don't know. At this point, we're just speculating. What what is interesting, going back to 9-11 itself, is that when it comes to their own people, the government doesn't even look out for them either. I mean, sure, at this point, you can pretty much expect the American government to bomb the living shit out of anybody outside of America that isn't pasty white, right? But but what surprised me was that your first responders were dropping like flies from 
from chronic illnesses that they contracted cancer. working in cancer. Yeah. They didn't get any of them. If it's, if what you say is true, and they were getting money from Iranian bank accounts to pay off survivors of, of, of 9-11, the first responders weren't getting jack shit. So nope. I don't know where that money went to. No, the fucking, the first responders, I was so surprised that uh, I, this was two years ago where um, John Stewart managed to pass the pass a bill for them and yeah. support for John them. Stewart. John Stewart. It took a it fucking took comedian. A yeah. It took a comedian. But aside from that, it like a country that like pretty much at any chance given to them, they will suck themselves off as a land of opportunity and freedom. Like the yeah. second, like even the every chance they get, they talk about it. Took 20 years to pass a bill to actually yeah. take care of the people who were there on the first day and pretty much inhaling God knows what into their lungs and dying from cancer and shit. While yeah. they were telling and them that, by the way, mind you, they were telling them that the air is clear. You can go and work there. They weren't oh, war- fuck off. They were not warned against it. They were not saying like, oh, it's contaminated. It's shit. They were telling them, no, no, mm. it's pretty cool. You guys go keep digging. See? And they let them die. They and let, they let them, them die. die. And 20 years it took for them to get any kind of support. Like, just took John Stewart crying in front of uh, a, a tribunal to start yeah. to get a fucking support from them. You think you, just, it would be the it would be non like if you think it would it wouldn't take that long. You think it wouldn't even be a conversation, but it was a conversation for twenty fucking years. So, ordinary people, regardless of whether you're you're an Arab, Iranian, some other kind of Muslim, or or an American, uh, you 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 get fucked. Everybody else, the one percent on the top, they get the money. They get to pursue their political ambitions. At this point, Bush is practically a war criminal, right? Obama sent a whole bunch of drones into Afghanistan that essentially exacerbated the recruitment of the Taliban for more members. Yeah. Trump didn't do jack shit for the Trump situation. Dropped, in fact, he made Trump, it worse. Trump dropped a mother of all bombs on, on a mountain. Yeah. Remember that? That was like a few months into his administration. Yeah, yeah. The Moab bomb. Into, yeah, I don't know what he thought he was achieving. It was just a showing, gross display it was of just a showing your dick size, basically. Yeah, basically. But it achieved nothing strategically. It only killed, killed not, like maybe less than 50, less than 100 Taliban members. It really didn't do much. No. Like because a bomb they're scattered of that across. magnitude. It yeah. doesn't do anything. Because you don't actually know where they are. They're scattered across the countryside. You can't win wars by just bombing a scattered countryside. Yeah. There was a villager oh. was talking. So the next thing I heard, a, I heard a giant shout. And the next thing mm. I knew, I was flying. <laughs> so, <laughs> poor fucker <laughs> with his sheep. <laughs> yeah. That's all you that's all you did. You probably killed 50 to 100 Taliban members and you sent a sheep herder flying. That's it. That's it. What was it? Like Obama uh, there was a case that the drones artificial intelligence recognized there was a guy picking up scrap metal in front of nowhere. 
at the border yeah. of Afghanistan and Pakistan, picking up scrap metals, and the drone identified that this guy has seven percent similarity with Osama bin Laden. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. what what do you think? <laughs> Fucking two Hellfire missiles right up the ass. <laughs> oh, jeez. That guy was just looking for some scrap metals to go sell it to. Fucking smoke his hookah. <laughs> here's here's the best part. Okay, the American military proper is not pulling out of Afghanistan or has already pulled out at this point. But you, the drones are still there. They're still gonna keep the drones there, and they're gonna keep using those drones for whatever purpose. I have no goddamn clue. Maybe they'll pilot them out of Pakistan, target practice, or, or whatever. I don't know. At this point, it's just uh, ah, nine eleven, nine eleven, and all because, and all because, um, your your airport security was meh. And it's still meh. It's okay. all just performative gotta, at this I point. I gotta ask, what do you do? You think it was an inside job? What is your take on the whole situation? Because I know there's a no. whole shit show. I don't up. think it's an inside job. I I really don't, and you know mm. why? Because that would make Americans feel better, right? Mm. It is a, any conspiracy theory where Americans say it's an inside job is just an attempt by Americans to save face, because they cannot accept the idea that a bunch of Saudi Arabian students or whatever got into poorly secured passenger planes and flew them into buildings on their watch, even when the CIA already had reports that were delivered to George W. Bush saying that this is a possibility. And there was a report on the Vibes, on the Vibes.com Malaysian news portal saying that the initial plan for the attack was in PJ. What? Here. The yeah. initial plan for the attack on 9-11 was in uh, Petaling Jaya. It was in Petaling Jaya in Malaysia. Yeah, it was planned here. 9-11, as we know, it was plan B. All right. Okay. I did not yeah. know that. <laughs> Is it based on fact or fiction, this one? I don't really know. I just read the report and apparently it was a testament. Let me just pull it up, see what I can find. I personally, uh, this is just my belief. I'm not, I'm not saying it was an inside job. I think they knew about it and decided to let, decided to let it happen. That's just my take on it. I don't. Some people say honestly, like, I don't know, like Jesse Ventura pulls up and talks about thermite paint. Or a fucking uh, bombing insta, what's it called? The uh, controlled explosion. No, I get no, where they're coming true. from, it's, but it's like that's for me, that doesn't really sound right. Um, but I yeah. think it was, it did happen by the Saudis, it did go down. And I only think that the government had an idea about it, but they decided not to do anything just make sure it goes down make sure it's happening okay okay so because like they got the big piece of pie a big chunk of the world they attacked everything and they took everything from it dick cheney and his pals all right so this is what i got off the vibes.com their 
how 9-11 continues to resound across the world, including Malaysia. So Nordic Counterterrorism Network Director Andrew Raj was in the Mandarin Hotel when the chiefs of ASEAN military intelligence were meeting that fateful day. He was told that the Twin Towers went down. He went out. He thought it was the Petronas Twin Towers that he got. Uh, then he found that it was actually um, the, the World Trade Center, right? He yeah. then goes on to say, um, let's see. Andrew said the masterminds of the 9-11 attacks had a presence in Malaysia before 2001. He says, and I quote, bear in mind the original planning of 9-11 took place in Pataling Jaya, Selangor, Malaysia, where Yazid Sufat arranged a meeting with some of the attackers. He's what the organizer of the attack. But the mission was canceled and Osama bin Laden was informed of the matter and plan, plan B took place in Germany. Shit. That's why he then goes on to say, if they flew from within the US, there would be enough fuel to create highly flammable explosions. The 9-11 attackers were well aware of the structural compounds of the World Trade Center Twin Towers. The planning was also based on how well the structures would have taken high temperatures. Now, thing about the World Trade Center, it was built around the 1970s. And around that time, skyscrapers hadn't yet had a solid concrete core in the middle. Um, okay. In a sense... The World Trade Center was mostly space frame, right? Mm. Which means that you don't need to get the temperatures high enough to melt anything. All you need is for them to get soft enough so that they can buckle under their own weight. They knew this. That's why they didn't fly an international flight into that. They flew a domestic flight from within America because number one, the security would be lower. Number two, these planes would be would still be full of fuel. And then when they crash into these buildings, whatever wasn't burned by the fuel would then be burned by the stuff inside the building. Mm. You just need the fuel as an accelerant. That's all. It's just one giant Molotov cocktail. Yeah. That's basically how that works. But yeah, yeah Malaysia has always been a transit point for terrorism. Everybody knows that. We're not directly associated with with terrorism, but we're so lax and lazy with our enforcement, we just kind of let things happen under our nose without even realizing. And how many nuclear parts got stolen in Malaysia? I've, I've read three so far, three different accounts of nuclear, uh, uh, what's it called, machinery that was actually well, that stolen. One I don't know. That like got disappeared. This was like two years ago. Also, another part got disappeared. That is actually a very uh, crucial part. If somebody wants to make a dirty bomb, they can use that. Yeah. Okay. So this was reported by the BBC in 2018. Uh, Malaysia is still hunting for a radioactive device which went missing from a pickup truck earlier this month. See, you see how lax we are with the security. Yeah, bro. bro. Authorities say the radioactive say what now? I say, hey, oh, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. hey, bro, we come, I come, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, relax first. We go and have a tea break, a two-hour-long tea break <laughs> at three o'clock. Yeah. yeah, I heard some. I heard some guy got kicked as Nazi landmark, bro. <laughs> Just leave. Yeah, the yeah. And go get so yeah, it was a, uh, it was a radiography device that contained. 
uh, an isotope called uh, iridium-192, which can cause radiation exposure to be used as a dirty bomb. Yeah, that's basically it. It's a, it's a radiography device. Yeah, but I haven't found it. No, are you kidding me? Look, we had a jet engine stolen. We still don't know where it is. Yeah. One of the, one of the, one of the, there was a standoff with uh, Islamic terrorists in Malaysia. A standoff? Yeah, you, do you know about this? No, when was that? Uh, standoff? See, believe... what, what do you mean a standoff? You don't know about this terrorist standoff that we had? A stand up or stand off? A military standoff with oh, Islamic militants. No, I did not know about that. It happened a year before 9-11, 2nd of July, 2000. Um, it was a standoff that happened in the state of uh, Pera in Kuala Kangsar. And um, yeah, so basically these dudes had were, some of them were ex-military, right? And their goal was to overthrow the Malaysian government. So basically all they did was dress up in military clothes, jump in a bunch of uh, Mitsubishi SUVs, which were similar uh, in model and painted green to give a, a false impression of the fact that they were military, right? Also with fake uh, license plate numbers. And they just drove into a camp and helped themselves to the weapons. Nice. That's it. Nice. And then they just drove out and then they hold themselves out in the forest and then just and then just held themselves out and then they send military in there but the military was was um captured by these people uh. and then abused and tortured and died and then eventually more commandos started coming in but there was a but that then there was a huge standoff and then they 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 decided to like bring in a negotiator and then they brought the children and wives of the, of these militants in and sort of told them to give up. Mm. Yeah. They asked the wives to tell these people to give up. And so eventually they surrendered. How so, many yeah. were they? I don't quite remember. Hundreds? Uh, 26 of them. Hmm. 27. 27 only? I mean, look, um, <laughs> Malaysians are not exactly known for their efficiency, but we can get a lot done with very few people. Mm. So long as we're sufficiently motivated enough. Um, I think the key word is motivation. Yeah. <laughs> we're not a very motivated people. <laughs> you know, the national motto should be, I'll do it later. <laughs> oh, no disrespect, but I understand what you mean. Yeah, God it's not it. great. So, yeah, it's because of this, Malaysia has always been a transit point of terror. And uh, while we're not responsible for the terror, we kind of let it happen because we're too goddamn lazy to actually do anything about it. I forgot um, that your prime minister recently said, hey, Muslims should kill the French. 
Yeah, no, that was a. I don't know what. I think what they were. He was saying was that you can't blame them for killing the French because the French were colonial oppressors or some shit. No, I understand, but, but the thing is, like, what he meant and how the context of his word, how these words would come across, is completely different. <laughs> it's just like. Yeah, no, he, the the man doesn't give a shit. Old man didn't give a shit. Mahade is not known for his nuance or subtlety. No. <laughs> I love the way, I love your use of words. Yeah. Yeah, he's not known for his nuance and subtlety. Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, well, America is not that either. <laughs> Look, the world has been officially fucked by them since 9-11. And there's yeah. no look at it being stopped anytime soon no they pulled out of afghanistan which only in iran what i'm hearing from my friends in iran this is basically like it seems like they only pull out of afghanistan to get people ready to go to iran so right. on that yeah, note so that's it on that note man want to wrap it up i know you got yeah, another shit to good too so yeah that's right yeah happy 9-11 <laughs> <laughs> Mary, I mean, Mary, you, you gotta be, you gotta be happy for something, I guess. Uh, I mean, I mean, it was. <laughs> I don't. Oh, jeez, I I can't even find the energy to be funny. This is fucked up. <laughs> it's all right. Well, it was a sad day for the world because some innocent people died. Like a lot of innocent people died, and because of that, a lot of more innocent people in a lot of countries and lives were ruined. And yeah. hopefully we'll find some solid uh, solace in the coming years, which I doubt. No, uh, I, I, or you trying you to do say? optimism on this fucking podcast? Are you kidding me right now? Yeah, I know. I'm not good with optimism. We're all so, gonna die. Life sucks, and let us let's pray for a nuclear holocaust. Take care, everybody. Have fun. Yeah. Oh, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Try not to die.